Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke LeGrand. And I'm Jess Rubenstein. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Football season is drawing closer and closer to the NFL playoffs, and with more games than ever before, Bet Online is offering you the chance to win some money while you watch. With lines, spreads, and props on every game, you can make the weeks leading into the race for the Lombardi Trophy even more exciting than usual. But whether you're looking to place a bet on the NFL, upcoming games in the NBA, or any other sport, Bet Online has you covered. So head on over to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. This is Believe in Hockey Prospects, the show all about discussing the future stars in the game of hockey. We believe in the future. Do you believe? This week we will talk about the upcoming World Junior Championships and some college hockey games. But first... The WHL has pushed back the start of its season indefinitely. The league has cited due to the public health restrictions in place across Western Canada and the Pacific Northwest, the WHL will not be ready to begin play on their original January 8th start date. The WHL Board of Governors will meet in the month of January to discuss a new potential start date for the regular season. Jess, a delay of the season is nothing new to the CHL, but in the past there has always been a date associated with a delay. Does no new date worry you in the postponement of the WHL? Well, yeah, and in addition to that, there was a late breaker that from British Columbia, that province there, which is home to four of the WHL teams out of the Western Conference, and they're not ready to let them play hockey, period. You know, really confusing when you're having all these government entities affecting things. Can't cross into the United States border. So that cuts the U.S. division, which is Portland and the Washington teams. They're restricted from being able to play hockey up north. And then you've got the provinces, Alberta and Saskatchewan. They're not being able to go into British Columbia and vice versa. The more this goes on, the more it's it's really hard to see any type of end game in sight for the WHL. I can't see them going past February, having a decent schedule and having a Memorial Cup contending team. And that's going to be interesting. Where is it going to be held? Which province is going to let the other provinces in? It's a very sad and confusing day. And I think the CHL governing board itself needs to step in. This is a funny thing to say in 2020, but it's almost a little weird to see another postponement of play in hockey. The only reason I say that is because the NCAA is playing games, the Q is playing games, the NHL has just announced that they will be starting in less than a month's time. But that's the world we live in, right? We've had almost nothing but postponements for the last 10 months It's nice to see the WHL taking this seriously. Cases are spiking all across North America, and we see how cases have taken a toll on the NCAA. We're seeing teams set to play, and World Juniors dealing with COVID setbacks. 
Germany has eight players testing positive for COVID. Sweden has two staff members testing positive for COVID. You have to respect the move here, but I hope they'll be able to work on getting things back on schedule soon. The NHL seems like they're ready to go. I hope we get to see some WHL hockey alongside the pros. Going back right to the Germany's problems, it's going to really affect it because the international committee has come up with this one positive test by disqualified from the tournament. We're less than a week away from the start of the tournament. How is Germany going to be able to put together a roster that's competitive because it's too late for any of their players to come over from Germany and enter the quarantine to be eligible? So unless Germany brought that many players over, they're kind of screwed here. And that's kind of unfair. It's very frustrating. The NHL, you're seeing teams that are pretty much have arrived. They've entered into a quarantine. There's a couple of stragglers, but there are teams ready to hit the ice and go. They're doing it the right thing. They're creating their own little mini bubbles. I really think the other guys, the OHL and Western Hockey League, and even teams that are entering or actually trying to leave quarantine at the World Juniors, they should have planned properly. Maybe the biggest thing is the hockey world is just not communicating with each other on this COVID. And that's that's a mistake. Now that we've mentioned it, let's talk about some World Juniors, Jess. This is our last episode before the start of the tournament, so let's talk about what we're going to see. For those of you at home unfamiliar with the setup of the tournament, two pools of five teams begin a round robin starting on Christmas, where each team plays each other once. The top four teams of each pool are seeded and are placed into a bracket, with the quarterfinals beginning on January 2nd, the semifinals beginning on January 4th, and the bronze and gold medal games will round out competition on January 5th. Pool A will feature Team Canada, Team Finland, Team Slovakia, Team Switzerland, and Team Germany. Pool B will feature Team USA, Team Russia, Team Sweden, Team Czech Republic, and Team Austria. Jess, we've already broken down Team Canada and Team USA last episode, but who are some teams or some players we should keep an eye on elsewhere in this tournament? Division B is stacked. I mean, you got Russia, Sweden, the United States right there with the Czech Republic. Austria, most likely a candidate for relegation. Canada really looks like they've got it nice and easy. I mean, they've got Finland, probably going to be their toughest competition. Switzerland, it's hard to get a read on the Swiss. Every year, it's a different story. One year, they're like giant killers. The next year, they're kind of like fighting to stay alive. Slovakia, you know, they got talent. Their problem is they don't have a good home-based federation that can organize and get these kids together. Germany, as we've already talked about, losing eight players. Uh, We don't know which ones they are. That's going to be such a killer. Their margin of error was minute. I'm saying Germany and Austria will play in the regulation rounds. I think Canada is easy picking for the first spot up there. I think Finland is their only real competition. So I would go Canada, Finland, Slovakia, and Switzerland battling out for the third and fourth seedings. B division, Sweden has done too good of a job in the preliminary games. I have to go with them as the favorites out of the B group. Russia, USA, 
will fight for second and third seeds. And Czech Republic, unless a miracle recovers, they get the last spot. Well, we brought up last week, Jess, that Team Canada and Team USA are the big monster giants in this tournament. They're the two teams with real claim to be the number one team in this tournament, but I think there's one more team that might earn that title, and that's Team Russia. We talked back during the draft about how well Russia performed in terms of draft positioning. A lot of people chalked that up to Russian players having games under their belt while other leagues were sitting at home. But I think now is going to be a great time to see why those guys were selected so early. Guys like Igor Chinnikov, Shakir Mukhamadillon, I wouldn't consider Yaroslav Askarov a reach because of his talent level, but 11th overall for a goalie is considered pretty early. On top of that, we've got plenty of other talent from the draft. Murat Kusnadinov, Rodion Amirov, Maxim Groshev. And if you're a UConn fan, you get to see guys like Jan Kuznetsov and Vladislav Firstov. There seems to be a lot of young, proven talent on Team Russia. If you're looking for someone to keep an eye on, they're the only team that I think has a chance of taking it to the big boys. But some other guys I expect a lot of great things out of. Vili Hainola of Team Finland has a couple of NHL games under his belt already. Anton Lundell is also a big name to watch on Team Finland. Team Germany, if they get to play, will have guys like Tim Stuzel and J.J. Paterka. You brought up Sweden, Jess. They have a slew of talent they're bringing into this tournament. Just from this past draft alone, you've got Alexander Holtz, Lucas Raymond, Noel Gundler, Emil Andre, Teddy Niederbach. You've also got a guy like Philip Broberg, who I think is one of the best prospects, on the cusp of being ready to join the NHL. But who are we kidding, Jess? All of these kids wouldn't be playing in this tournament if they weren't incredibly talented. Any game you watch the tournament has the potential to be a good one. Oh, you're not kidding. I mean, it starts on Christmas Day, and let's talk about the Christmas presents that they are giving us. Russia, USA, Christmas Day. How do you start a tournament like that and not be jazzed about that? Switzerland versus Slovakia. Germany, Finland, and then you get into day two where you've got Canada making their appearance against Germany. Folks, if you're really missing hockey, this is your tournament to get you involved. I mean, this is going to be a fun tournament. Knock on wood, let's pray that, you know, nobody's hurt or comes down with COVID. But on paper, this is going to be a fun event. We had the situation form last year with everything being postponed that juniors played a different role in ranking prospects and looking at kids going forward than it does in previous years. Do you think we're going to have the same deal? How big of an effect do you think this juniors tournament is going to have on the standings of this upcoming draft class? This is an opportunity for guys who weren't on the radar. Because of the COVID, you're going to get to see some guys that None of us have thought about, none of us have even considered as viable top-round draft picks. Whichever team's secondary players show up, that's going to impact the draft. Sweden, the Czech Republic, most of Team USA, most of Canada is already been drafted. I think there's maybe three or four players on each squad that are just draft eligible. But you'll see more draft-eligible players from, like, the Finlands uh, or the Swiss or even Russia. So it, it's a good opportunity for, for some of these guys to, to showcase their talent. And, just let's close the show with some college hockey. Let's begin with the Usho poll because we have a lot of teams in new spots. Teams that made some big moves upwards. Robert Morris, now number 20 after being unranked. 
Bowling Green up from 16 to 13. Northeastern up from 17 to 12. St. Cloud State up from 13 to 9. And the last big move of the week, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, with 34 first place votes, are up from number 4 to the number 1 team in the nation. And with teams that move up come teams that move down. We've got Ohio State down from 14 to 18. UMass Lowell down from 8 to 15. Wisconsin down from 12 to 14. And the last big shift downwards comes from the former number one team in the nation, North Dakota, who still have two first place votes, but now sit at number four in the nation. But let's talk about some big games from the weekend. As of recording, not a lot of big upsets to talk about. Tough weekends for a couple of teams. First up, number 18, Ohio State, who tied their first game in a series with Arizona State 4-4 and then dropped their second game 3-2. A similar fate for number 8, Denver, who were shut out in their first game against Miami 3-0 and tied their next game 3-3 with Western Michigan. And also a tough weekend for number 11, Quinnipiac, who was swept by number 13, Bowling Green, with a 4-1 loss on Friday and a 4-2 loss on Saturday. But some other big games to talk about. Number 9, St. Cloud, with a 4-3 overtime win over Colorado College. Number 17, Omaha, with a 6-5 win over Western Michigan. Number 10, UMass, shuts out Vermont 4-0. And number 4, North Dakota, beats number 3, Minnesota Duluth, 2-1. And to close out the recap, we had a couple of ties this weekend. Just Minnesota State, after beating Bemidji State 5-4 on Friday, tied the Beavers 1-1 the next night. Number 16, Notre Dame tied Michigan State 1-1 with Notre Dame winning the shootout for the extra point. And number 12, Northeastern tied number 19, Providence 3-3. All four of those teams will get their second chance tonight. Just that's the last big crop of games for a bit. Nothing but Hockey East and non-conference games for a while. But looking back at this weekend, anything stand out to you there? Not really. Somebody like Boston College, they've got players away. There are no, I don't think any school has been hit harder by the World Juniors than Boston College. It's kind of hard to get on these teams when they've only had, you know, two or three games. I mean, if we go back to the polls, Minnesota is pretty much the only team that somebody can make a claim saying that they have pretty much an established pattern. They've played probably the most games, eight games, nine games. They're undefeated. They're the only undefeated team, I believe, left in the country that's played at least five games. You're little bobby cats. I mean, how do you get a read on a team that's just played four games? It's not fair to the team to simply look in judgment. Well, they're they're one, two, and one. So what? They were one of the last two schools to get on the ice. How do we get a good read on them? They looked good. They looked good in one game, but then they didn't look good. I mean, they should never lose in a normal year. They don't lose to, to Bowling Green. You bring up a good point, Jess. Teams like UMass Lowell, like Northeastern, like Providence, only a handful of games. It's really tough to tell how a team is going to perform down the line when you have a very, very small sample size to go off of. A team with a couple of games under their belt that I can't seem to figure out, though, Jess, I cannot seem to figure out the Denver Pioneers. 3-5-1 and one this year. Their three wins come against Miami, Western Michigan, who was once a ranked team, and North Dakota, who at the time was the number one team in the nation. But then they tie Western Michigan. They lose to North Dakota. They lose against Miami. They can't get it done against Minnesota, Duluth, and St. Cloud. This team is on one night and off the other. They've played two games this year that weren't decided by one score. How do you judge them? Do you give them kudos for hanging with the big boys? Do you look at their record straight on? Didn't this team start 
as a top five team in the nation? What happened to them? And by the time we say goodbye, just Denver will be facing St. Cloud. And after that, they only see three teams for the rest of their season. Omaha, Colorado College, and North Dakota. Denver has to figure it out because their clock is winding down. If you take a look ahead at the schedule, there's not too many games slated for next week. It's a lot of Hockey East coming up, and I think it's going to be very exciting to see one team in particular, for me at least. I can't wait to see what Northeastern puts together. They're a team finally starting to play some games. They'll play their second game against Providence tonight. They've got Vermont next week. Goalie Devin Levy is currently with Team Canada, but they have plenty of exciting talent left. Guys like Jordan Harris, Sam Colangelo, Gunnar Wolf-Fontaine, Aiden McDonough. They're going to have to capitalize on what they have coming up if they want to continue to move up the chain, but I think they're a very exciting team that will compete in this Hockey East Conference. If not for COVID, this would be some really, really entertaining hockey to get excited about to watch. And, you know, if you're looking for something to do over the Christmas holidays instead of, like, the pretend football playoffs, give these guys some watch. You might find yourself spending a couple hours enjoying hockey. On paper, there's some pretty great matchups. The NCHC, they're all in the pod, and they have played some pretty good hockey. Nobody is rolling over the competition in, in that conference. They're all playing each other nightly. It's a different team. They're playing some decent hockey, and most of their games are actually overtime contests. So, you know, if you've got nothing to do, you got your satellite, CBS All Access offers hockey. So does the CBS Sports app. Stream the games. The Big Ten is on Big Ten Go. Hockey East is on either NESN or go to CBS All Access app. Uh, it's a lot of fun. ESPN Plus is, has reached a deal to televise some of the smaller conferences. Or, hey, check out some women's hockey. That's going to do it for us. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Prospect Park for Jess, at Littlegrano on Twitter for myself. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to another episode of Believe in Hockey Prospects. My name is Luke Legrano. Oh, and I'm Jess Rubenstein. Before we go, just a reminder, World Junior Championship will be televised on the NHL Network. Get a chance, a lot of the games, great competition. Check it out. Have a good holiday. Stay safe, wear the mask, pet the dog. What the heck? Have a great time. Just be safe, people. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.